0: Guys, back here live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3 today, Tuesday, November third, twenty twenty. I'm your host Thomas Pimlin, joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, glad to have you back on the show.
1: Yep, thanks for having me back, my man.
0: Hey, we missed you on Friday. Glad everything's everything's going good for y'all once again. Um, I think predictions. I don't even remember how the predictions did in Friday's Friday's podcast. but anyway, um, you know, Ben, it was a good weekend of college football and NFL. What uh, stood out to you the most?
1: The, the debut of Tua is, is something yeah. that sticks out to me. And his, and his brother's second career start um, at Maryland. So I'll start with college. Uh, Talia, his first career start did not go so well. He threw no. three, interception, three interceptions against Northwestern. Um, I, I think they got blown out. Um, but his second career start was this past week against Minnesota and he looked great. He really did look good. He looked great throwing the football early in the game. He looked great using his legs. He escaped, um, pressure a couple of times and used his legs to get the first down and they got the win. And that's a big win for Mike Loxley. Um, that's the first win at Maryland, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it looks like he may have found a quarterback that can get the ball to the weapons that he he actually has. Uh, Maryland's not going to be great, but if they can be competitive, it's always a good sign when you have a young quarterback. I'll talk about his brother just real quick. Tua, first NFL start, uh, didn't start off too hot. His first sack that he got was uh, obviously Aaron Donald, got the best of him, and he fumbled. But Tua bounced back. He ended up throwing his first career touchdown pass, which was a tight window to Devontae Parker, short little three-yard touchdown. Tua's stats weren't anything to, you know, jaw-dropping, mm-hmm. you know, eye-popping, but he did his job. The defense and special teams really came to play for the Miami Dolphins. That helped, that's that's always going to help a young quarterback. And this Dolphins team is really rolling. Um, if Tua can, if he could just not make big mistakes, I think this Dolphins team is really set up Pretty nice for the future. And honestly, in the present moment, I don't think you or I are really sold on Buffalo that this division is just theirs of the taking. Uh, I mean, congrats, you beat the Patriots. It seems like everyone's beating the Patriots. The Dolphins, they're four and three now. Their defense is really rolling. When they have their two corners um playing Howard and Jones, those are the two highest paid corners in football, I believe. Those two have been incredible when they're on the field together. They just haven't always been on the field together. I think Tua should get better and better uh, the more he gets familiar with his weapons that he can use. And I think this Dolphins team is really heading in the right direction.
0: Yeah, um, honestly, I think Tua would have had better stats, one, if he didn't fumble. And then two, also, I just felt like that, you know, they took that kickback for the touchdown. They have that... 99-yard fumble return for a touchdown or however many yards it was, or I think it was 90 or something like that. So, you know, it was kind of like that game got out of hand on the Rams, and then they were just kind of running the ball, you know, and being real conservative since he's a rookie quarterback and didn't really give him a chance to show the showcase what he could actually do. Um, which, I mean, not as a, isn't a bad game plan, but kind of back to what you said about his brother playing at Maryland, Honestly, that game just shows you how much of a shit show the Big Ten is in, is of an, in, of, uh, in and of itself. I couldn't spit those words out. But, I mean, they lost, like, 43-3 to the week before, and then they turn around and just beat the brakes off their opponent the following game. I mean, I wanted to take that plus 19. I ended up not doing it just because, like, I was like, are they really this bad? Because, I mean, Northwestern, I think, won, like, three games the season before. You didn't even really know what you were going to get. But also, too, Minnesota's kind of ravaged with COVID right now, so... I mean, it's just, you don't even know what's going on in the Big Ten. I don't even know what's going on in the Big Ten, but.
1: They're just um, beating each
0: other up. Yeah, the Tagovailoa Loa brothers balled out. But honestly, the craziest thing I saw this weekend is, I man, I just feel bad for the Chargers. You know, as a Falcons fan, I'm the only, me and you are the, probably the only people who can actually feel their pain on this one. The Chargers blown leads the last four games 17, 17, 16, and 21 points. I mean, that last game, I'm not going to lie. Uh, so usually I have one I have one TV on one of the games, and then you know, if there's really good games on, I'll get bring out the third TV. But I just had two TVs on, and I didn't even have one of my TVs on Red Zone. I was like, eh, they're already up to, they're already up so big. I don't even need it. Let's watch the Seahawks. Let's watch the uh, Let's watch the Saints. Next thing I know, I get a notification: Broncos thirty one, Chargers thirty. I was like, what in the could have possibly happened? I mean. I just feel bad for him, man. I mean, I even feel worse for Anthony Lynn. It feels like he can't finish a game worse. I mean, if Anthony Lynn and Dan Quinn are I mean, they have the Spider Man pointing at Spider Man meme, you could put their heads <laughs> on it and be the same thing.
1: It's not looking too hot for Anthony Lynn. I don't know if he's on the hot seat or not. The Chargers probably weren't expected to be that great um to begin with, but you know, it's weird because the rookie quarterback is actually playing good football. Very he good. He just him, I mean, I don't want to put all the blame on him. I'm not, but the team just can't figure out how to get into the win column. Um, and the, he's playing well enough to win these games. So it, it's it's not a great situation right now for Anthony Lynn. Um, it, it's tough when you, you know, it, it's hard to get a lead in the NFL, especially a fourth quarter lead. And when you're up multiple scores, you, you have to close out games. And the teams that can't are the teams that, have top five, top ten picks, and have the, a coaching cycle, you know, bring in another head coach. So we'll see how long Anthony Lynn's going to last. I, I I don't think I've heard that he's on the hot seat now. I don't really put all the blame on him. But you kind of have to blame someone, don't you?
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it's the same thing as Dan Quinn. you got to put all the blame on Anthony Lynn. You know, people were been complaining, saying they get into – conservative with their play calling okay maybe blame the offensive coordinator but ultimately i think it just comes down on anthony lynn you know they just it's ultimately the head coaches call for them to play more conservatively and i mean he's obviously playing conservative on defense and offense and not really taking it to these teams you know and it's like almost like that he lets herbert do whatever he wants to at the beginning of the games and at the end of the games they just kind of go way too conservative so i definitely well, the, would put a little the bit the
1: last more. the last play was I think there was four seconds or six seconds left for Drew Locke and, you know, throwing it to the end zone and happened to get a pass interference call, which yeah. obviously in the NFL, it's the spot of the foul. You get it on the two-yard line. There's one second left. So you can really run it or throw it. I mean, you have your choice. One second, mm-hmm. like, you can do whatever you want. They did a little play action rollout to the right, and, you know, I don't know. I really don't know what the def- the defender that was following I think it was Hamler, K.J. Hamler, the rookie that caught the mm-hmm. pass. He was following him when he was in motion. Looked like he was in position. And the speed of Hamler just got a step on him and drew Log threw a nice little back shoulder kind of throw. It was a nice catch. I mean, got his butt in uh, kind of heels inbounds. And you just you can't have that pass interference. And it was pass interference. You, can't, you just can't have that as a defender with four seconds left. You have to know the situation a little bit better. Because on the two-yard line, I mean, let your defense is – you're probably giving up a score. It's it's really hard when they can run any play they want for a defense to stop a team in this offensive-driven league. Drew Locke took advantage of it, and unfortunately for Anthony Lynn and his Chargers, it's another blown lead.
0: Yeah, bro, I feel absolutely bad for the Chargers. one person I don't feel bad for, though. Is John Harbaugh and watching them lose to Michigan State. Be honest with you, I had to go out to a little brunch earlier and they had a bunch of games on. They actually didn't even have that game on. And I did honestly thought they played at four o'clock. I didn't even realize they were on it on then the early hour. So I got back and it was probably about like 2.30 or so. And I realized I was like looking down the thing on my TV. I was like, oh wait, this game is on. I was like, let's see what the score is. I saw the score. I was dumbfounded. I mean, mm-hmm. first off, they lost to a guy named Rocky Lombardi at quarterback, who I think had like five turnovers the week before. I mean, what a name, man. Rocky Lombardi. That's about the only thing Michigan State had going for him. I mean, the this football Michigan, name. Yeah, this Michigan State team has been absolutely unwatchable for about the last three years and played some of the worst football I've ever seen in my entire life. I didn't see too much of the game, and – Honestly, I think that's probably one of the most pathetic losses I've ever seen for a football program, losing that game to in the way Michigan did. I mean, man, I I don't think there's anything good to say about Michigan on Saturday except for the fact they're all wearing the same uniform.
1: He's now one – he being Harbaugh – is now one in six against his two biggest rivals, Michigan State and Ohio State, at home. One in six. And obviously that one win is coming against Michigan State. I – I don't know what Michigan's athletic director is waiting for. I I mean, I I would let Harbaugh finish out the year because you just don't really have a reason not to. But you I mean, assuming he loses to Ohio State again, how does this guy keep a job? I mean, there's no way, right? You can't lose to your biggest rivals as much as he does. And to be honest with you, I don't know off the top of my head, but I do know that, like, you know, if it's one thing where you are recruiting very well and you just haven't gotten that big game, big break yet, that's one thing. Harbaugh has not been in the top 10 on average since he's been the Michigan coach. He's outside the top 10 in recruiting, which is, I even mean, like, having the 12th best recruiting class, like, grand scheme of things is it that bad? No, but when you're Michigan and people talk about you like you're one of the biggest programs in the country, specifically the second biggest program in the Big 10, you should be top 10. And he's not recruiting that well, you know, for their standards. He's not winning up to their standards even close. I don't I don't see how he keeps his job. I feel like I've said that in the last couple of years, but it just gets worse and worse it seems like.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll say this, actually. I'm going to defend Harbaugh a little bit. Look, Michigan won't come, like, Michigan has very strict academic standards from my understanding, and they really won't. I mean, yeah, they'll be a little bit more lenient for athletes, but, I mean, they're not as lenient as these Ohio State's, Alabama's, Georgia's. You know, they won't be loosen up on them as much as these other schools. Now, I mean, I it, it is I mean, Michigan. There's
1: there's, there's plenty sh- of schools that, that hold – you know their university to high academic standards, mm-hmm. they do just fine. I mean, no, I see it's... like where you're where you're thinking, but honestly, I just think it's an excuse that he's the type of coach that just can't get it done.
0: Yeah, we well, see. I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm not necessarily giving him a pass or anything for it. I'm just saying more so that like maybe this is the standard for Michigan football. Maybe nine and three is a good season for Michigan football. Not uh not ten and two or eleven and one. You know, maybe nine and three is the typical is the more so what they need to set their standards for. Maybe they need to lower their standards a little bit, or if not, they need to act, lower their academics just a tiny bit. You know what I mean? They, they get those recruiting classes in the top ten and whatnot.
1: I mean, I hear what you're saying, and honestly, if you look at, if you look back at Michigan's history, um, they're not Ohio State. No. They're not.
0: They have one national don't championship.
1: Com- yeah, I mean, they don't compete for national championships. They don't. So I agree with you that their standard and the media standard for them is is overrated every single year. But Harbaugh talks a big game, and that's where he's gotten himself in trouble. He talks mm-hmm. like they're the best of the best, and they're not. I mean, he's he, Michigan's a Tier 2 program in football. They are. They're not in that Tier 1 category. So I don't know if the media needs to lower their standards, but, I mean, that's just not going to happen. I'll tell you right there. I mean, that's just not. You play in a place called the Big House – you're supposed to have this home crowd that's electric. I know there's no fans this year, but they don't live up to the media standards. They don't live up to Harbaugh's standards that he puts on the team. So I see where you're coming from, but if, if Harbaugh wants to talk a big a big game like he does, he's not he's not ever going to live up to it. And there's another coach that is not on Harbaugh's status right now, but it, and we'll get into this a little bit more on our Friday podcast, but Dan Mullen is very close to that. I know that he hasn't been at Florida just as long as um, as a head coach, as long as Harbaugh's been in Michigan just yet. But he's a, he's another guy that recruits on a good level. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if I put Florida on the great level. They're not in the top two of the SEC. That's, that's pretty much been dominated by um, Alabama and Georgia. And then LSU is kind of in there. I mean, so he recruits on a good level. And just does does not have many big wins yet. I mean, he hasn't beaten Georgia yet. And I'll go ahead and say this now. I'll go into more detail about this on our Friday podcast. But if he can't beat this Georgia team on Saturday in Jacksonville, I don't think he's ever going to beat them. I don't. Because Georgia is so beat up on the, on Mm -hmm. the defensive end of the football. And this is the least amount of firepower that Georgia's had on offense in a long time. I mean, in a long time. they Their offense resides from one player, George Pickens. When he doesn't play, they cannot move the football. I mean, they ran all over Kentucky this past week with Zemir White. They scored 14 points. 14 points.
0: Hard game to watch.
1: Yeah, so this is by far the best chance that Dan Mullen will ever have. And this is supposed to be Dan Mullen's best offense he's ever had at Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, since he's been a head coach, his teams when he was an offensive coordinator were outstanding. But So we'll see. We'll get into that a little bit more on Friday, but if Dan Mullen does not beat Georgia this year, he is right there with hardball.
0: No, I, I absolutely agree with you on that one, Ben. But for the sake of going ahead and getting things going, let's get down to it, man. So start off here, guys. We had the biggest game of arguably the NFL season when we have, in my opinion, the two biggest rivals in the entire NFL play each other, and that was – the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers beating the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, it was a crazy game and everything, but we have two huge storylines that come out from this game. That is, the first one, Ben, are the Pittsburgh Steelers the best team in the NFL?
1: I I think they are. I said they were number one in my power rankings before that game started, and they're undefeated still. So they're going to stay number one for the best team in the NFL, in my opinion. And I'll say this. Their offense has not been shut down yet. They scored twenty eight points, and in Big Ben is spreading the ball around. It seems like mm-hmm. I mean Juju Smith Schuster is pretty much showing up every week. James Conner is there, and then you get the three guys with Claypool, Eric Ebron, and um, Deontay Johnson. That one of them has shown up every week, yep. and this past week Ebron had a, had a very good week. Claypool had a touchdown, I and mean, he didn't go off in terms that of like yards, hurt, but. Though. It did, but he did he did make up for it with the red zone touchdown. Mm-hmm. Ben is spreading the ball around, and I'm gonna continue to say this every single time we talk about this team. No one has figured this defense out yet. They are turning people over. I was gonna say like it's their job. It is their job. They're doing it at a very high level. <laughs> they're rushing the they're rushing the passer better than every team in the NFL, if not one, even one of the best. And ever since Minka Fitzpatrick has been traded there, their interceptions num- interception numbers have gone through the roof. I don't know if it's just him that you want to credit, but their corners have gotten a little bit more experience. They're playing well, and Minka is just the definition of a ball hawk. I understand that the Chiefs are still probably the most talented team in the NFL, and if you asked me who you know has the best chance to win a Super Bowl, I would say the Chiefs have a better chance over the Steelers the best team in the NFL right now is the Pittsburgh Steelers they're the only undefeated team and they now have a signature win well actually back-to-back back-to-back weeks they've signature wins at Tennessee and at Ravens there are not many teams in the NFL that I think could go back-to-back weeks and pull out wins in that game
0: so look I think Pittsburgh is the second best team in the NFL I still think Kansas City is the best team in the NFL. I just think they had a little Um, slip-up. Personally, I think if both these teams met, I think Kansas City would pull it out. Honestly, I mean, this was kind of a weird game. Never before has a team been outgained and stopped the way that Pittsburgh was in this game, but yet they were still able to get the win, which is massive. Um, Big Ben, I mean, look, the offensive stats, I will say this at the same time, are going to be a little skewed because of that pick six, because of the turnovers and whatnot. The offensive stats will be skewed a little bit. I think Pittsburgh has a nasty defense that makes a lot of plays when they need them, but ultimately – I still think that Kansas City is just better. I think Kansas City's defense is good enough and is able to make the plays for them, but I think their offense, I mean, don't get me wrong, but these teams are offensively stacked up, but I still think Big Ben makes a decent bit of mistakes. I feel like Patrick Mahomes has been there more recently and gotten the job done. Plus, Big Ben only gets more beat up as the season season goes on and whatnot. I mean, it sure was a crazy game, but I really thought, too, Eric Ebron stepped up in this game. I thought he had a lot of big catches on third downs, and especially that touchdown catch he had, too, was massive. But I also kind of like the way Pittsburgh didn't put their head down. You know, it looks like there for a while their offense couldn't get going, but they responded. And, I mean, you are right, Ben. They probably do have the two biggest wins back-to-back this NFL season. I don't think any other team has. I mean, Pittsburgh and Kansas City, though, in my opinion, I think have put themselves in a class above everyone else. I mean, Tampa Bay struggled with the Giants last night. Yeah, it was a look ahead spot. I mean, you could say a lot of things about it, but I mean, Pittsburgh handled their business fine against the Giants. I personally think though that this pit that this Kansas City team and Pittsburgh team are two best teams and I sure hope that they meet each other in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think I think at this point I think we all do. I mean, it's it's an offensive driven league which is an advantage to the Chiefs right there, but I do think the Steelers match up with Um, the Chiefs, weapons, playmakers Mm -hmm. on the outside better than anyone else can. And, you know, how do you beat Mahomes? I mean, Mahomes likes to throw the deep ball. To throw the deep ball, you need time in the pocket. Well, who's the best team at rushing the passer right now? I mean, that would be Bud Dupree and TJ White and the Steelers, I would say. So, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, to stop Mahomes, you got to get pressure on him. I think the Steelers do that better than anyone else. So, I think they match up pretty well, but... Like you said, I mean, like I said, it, it it's an offensive-driven league, and the Chiefs have the best offense. So we, we'll have to wait and see if they can play each other. But you look at these next th- at least three games until the, uh, Thanksgiving that the Steelers have it, and it, it, it's a chalk. I mean, it's chalk. Mm-hmm. It's – it's uh, I can pull it up right now. It's Cincinnati. It is
0: – Dallas.
1: It's Dallas. Thank you. It's Dallas this coming week.
0: Yeah. It's – at.
1: Uh, is it? At, yeah, so it's at Dallas. That doesn't matter. It's home against the Bengals. Bengals are improved, but the Steelers should win that game easy. And then it's at Jacksonville. Those are three chalk games. There should be easy victories for the Steelers. Um, and then you get on Thanksgiving, you get Baltimore again, but this time it's back in Pittsburgh. So they should be undefeated by the time the Ravens play them again. That's how I see it, you know. They're going to be heavy favorites in the next three games, so I liked Pittsburgh um, to stay undefeated until that Ravens matchup again.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you completely. I could see 15-1 or 14-2 for the Steelers team, and getting that home field advantage is going to be huge. So I mean, that could I mean, it, it's really really tough to go into Pittsburgh and win. I remember last year, even when the Steelers weren't having that good of seasons and a season, and I would deep dive into these games week after week. And I would see how amazing the Steelers' historical stats were and these teams. I mean, so many of these teams that have been powerhouses in the NFL have like 1 in 14 records the last 15 times they played in Pittsburgh. I mean, it's tough to go in there and get a win, so that's going to end up being huge between – I mean, in Kansas City, too, is one of the – I mean, we've seen them beat Seattle for the loudest stadium in the NFL, so you all know how crazy it can be to go play a game there. Um, on the flip side of things, though, let's talk about Baltimore, and I'll kind of start us off here. Like, Baltimore, I've said it. I think you were on the podcast with me when I said that Baltimore was the Milwaukee Bucks of the NFL. And unfortunately, Baltimore, y'all had the Milwaukee Bucks type of performance. You stepped up. You played the Lakers. You played the Miami Heat. You played the Pittsburgh Steelers here. And you did not come to play. And I personally think a lot of it falls on Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's played against Pittsburgh twice. And he's been absolutely shut down both times he's played against them. I don't have my exact stats in front of me here. Or sorry, three times against Pittsburgh. And he's been shut down all three times he's played against them. They've been in the worst performances of the entire career. He had a twelve point five QBR. He threw some awful passes in this game. I mean, look, Baltimore's gotta figure something out. This passing game looks awful. I mean Willie Snead at 106 yards but I mean you got to get your best player Hollywood Brown involved more in this game. He had two targets and one catch for 3 yards. He said something about it too in the post game interview. I think that's something. I also don't think things are getting better for them though. You lose Ronnie Stanley, a guy you just made a couple of uh, 74 million dollar man goes down for you. That's a humongous loss right there. I believe they also had someone test positive. Oh, Marlon Humphrey test positive for COVID look so Ravens defense did their part. the offense has to step up the defense was out on the field they could only do so much the entire game and in the second half is where Pittsburgh smacked them in the mouth. They were down 17 10 at the half they came out scored them 21 to 7 in the second half at 14 unanswered in the third quarter. That's how you go out and win a game right there. I thought I mean what do you what do you think it is, Ben? been Why does Lamar Jackson struggle in these big games?
1: Well I'll get I mean well it's turnovers uh, is the obvious answer. I'll get I'll get into that in just a second here. Ronnie Stanley through week eight has been the best. Um, he's been the graded, the best tackle, best offensive lineman um, against the pass this season. That's a massive loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously losing Marlon Humphrey. He's a, he's a turnover machine. That guy causes a lot of fumbles. Um, but let's get into Lamar. So I'm actually not going to put 100% of the blame all on him. I'm going to do about 70-30 split. I'm going to put 70% on Lamar. I'm going to put 30% on the coaching staff, and here's why. In the offseason, all we hear about is how Lamar is working on being a better passing quarterback, how you know they they want him to be a better passer. They need him to be a better passer. I don't see any adjustment in the way they call plays. Do you? I, I mm-hmm. mean, I, it seems like they still have him running the football. So, you know, Lamar says he, he was practicing this, that. He's looking a little bit better in camp, throwing the football. But until you prove that on the field and in the way you call plays and – I mean, I, in order for him to get better, I think you, you have to take away part of his game. And I think that's a bold strategy. I don't really like that strategy, but I don't think you can have him run the football on design quarterback runs. If you want him to improve, I think – He's, he's gonna have to sit in the pocket for a little bit he, he I mean you can't go through one read and just take off I mean you, you can't do that in the NFL you have to go through your progressions so I don't see him I don't see his accuracy being improved so far from last season to this season do you
0: no, and to be honest with you, that's always been my thing against Lamar Jackson. I mean, the Ravens still ran for 265 yards in this game, which if you had told me they were going to run for 265, I probably would have told you they would have won this game. But, no, I agree with you, man. It's all about that passing accuracy. He's comfortable throwing to the middle of the field, but when he throws to the outside of the numbers, that's really where that you can kind of you know get Jackson. And, I mean, he definitely had some good throws, like that one when he found DuVernay down the field deep. I mean, I thought that was a really nice play. I mean, I thought he had some decent throws in the game, but... I agree with you, man.
1: I mean, I don't think Lamar is in the category of, you know, a guy who you're looking at what the type of quarterback he's gonna be for his future. I don't mm-hmm. see that with him. I I, I see him as a type of guy, specifically because he works with John Harbaugh um, as a coach. I see him being able to improve. It's just same when are we going to see this improvement? I mean, he's he's so young. I get that. But, and, and it's way too early to, you know, start comparing him to, like, Cam Newton to where, like, they had the MVP season and then really after that, you never really saw that once again. Um, I mean, that's just – this division is only going to get harder and harder, which means their schedule is not going to be easy. I mean, when he won the MVP, you know, he beat up on the awful Browns. He beat up on playing Cincinnati, who was the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. You know twice a year and he would have those highlight moments and when you know in the two three big games he played last year he looked like a human being he didn't look like the superstar uh, highlight reel Lamar Jack and he he pretty much beat up on those bad teams and put up video game numbers in that game and that's kind of what led him towards the MVP so it, it's just a consistency that's the only thing we really need to see from Lamar. Um this defense is one hundred percent good enough to compete for a Super Bowl. I I don't love the weapons that Baltimore possesses. Same. I don't think I, I think Andrews is phenomenal tight end. He's probably the third best tight end maybe in football behind Kittle and Kelsey. Not thirty I mean. Th- Waller. Okay. So three or four um hollywood brown had a great rookie season he's been figured out a little bit this season i don't know if his target his targets have been down this season i don't know if you've noticed um so i don't know what is with that if he's not getting open as much or they just can't hit him or but other than that i mean you can't rely on willie sneed to be your third receiver to win a super bowl i don't think i i don't love their weapons mark ingram is solid but he's he is old they have uh JK uh Dobbins. He's he's a rookie, he's solid. I don't know if I don't I don't know if their team is good enough. Obviously you have Lamar's legs that counts as another weapon, but I don't see this team winning a Super Bowl. Not not with the way Lamar throws the football.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, don't get me wrong, this team will probably end up going thirteen and three or twelve and and twelve and uh four this season, but I'm gonna agree with you there, Ben. I don't think this team's a super bowl team and I don't even know if they'll if they'll finally get that playoff win to take the next I mean, step. I mean, the think West, that's...
1: the West is just so competitive because obviously you have the Steelers who are looking like a runaway to win this mm-hmm. division, especially if they can beat Baltimore again. So, that's going to hurt Baltimore be trying to be a wild card team, but then you're you're competing for Super Bowls with the Chiefs, with the Titans, with the Steelers, you know. It's and those are teams that have beaten them. I mean, Lamar has not beaten Mahomes yet. He has not been successful. Well, it's only once, I guess. But he wasn't successful against Big Ben yeah. when he played and then he lost to the Titans in the playoff game last year. So he's got a couple teams that are in his kryptonite.
0: Yeah, I mean, people forget he had to get overtime to beat the Duck Hodges Steelers even in the regular season last year. I mean, it's just the way it goes. But, hey, maybe he can get that first playoff win under his belt and to at least start taking baby steps in the right direction. That's what it's all about. But I'm in agreement with you. I don't think he's Cam Newton. I think he'll keep getting better as everything goes on but anyway so today was the nfl trade deadline at 4 p.m we saw a couple trades one sunday night couple on monday i figured there'd be a couple more that flew in but it never really happened but let's kind of talk about these trades and say you know just kind of if we feel like that they help these teams get better if we feel like they're the moves they needed first one was middle linebacker avery williamson traded from the jets to the pittsburgh steelers i think this one's pretty easy what do you think about this one ben
1: well, I mean, we've talked about it. You know, my, they they kind of needed a, an inside linebacker to replace um, Devin Bush. So, I guess they got their guy. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know much about him. I haven't looked at, like, his stats or, you know, what. but this defense doesn't need that much help. Anytime you can get a guy that's on your radar, I, I think it's a positive. So, like I said, the Steelers team doesn't need much help, but – This seems like a guy that could step in right away and help them.
0: Yeah, he definitely is. I mean, I'd say he's probably like out – I'd say he's middle of the pack linebacker in the NFL, which pretty much all you need him to do is just show up and play decent. You know what I mean? With all the other guys, how good they are on this defense. It tells me, man, the Jets are all in on being bad. They want Trevor Lawrence pretty bad, and they're trying to get that first (laughs) pick. So. I think it's a win-win for both these teams here. Also, too, I think if the Jets' goal was to accomplish having the worst roster in NFL history, they might be knocking on the door of that. Owen 16 looks to be pretty soon in their future, in my opinion, after this trade. You said,
1: you said they're looking like they want Trevor Lawrence. The question's going to be, does Trevor Lawrence want them?
0: <laughs> if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I say hell no, man. I don't want to go there to die. I mean... I personally don't think they should pick Trevor Lawrence. I think they should trade back and keep getting picks for a while, kind of like the Browns used to do, and then try to get a quarterback. I mean, I think they're three or four years away from where they need to go draft a quarterback. I mean, this team is awful, man. I don't think I've seen a team this bad in, in a long, long time. Um, Next trade happened right in your backyard as the Tennessee Titans acquire from the, San Diego, or from the Los Angeles Chargers. Dang it, I almost had it right the first time. Um, corner Desmond King, um, you think that this was the trade the Titans needed? Well, they definitely needed something.
1: Um, they needed help in that back end, and that secondary has not looked great recently. They've been banged up. Um, and honestly, I I kind of thought the Titans would do a little bit more. Same. To be honest with you. They brought in Vic Beasley and um, Genevieve Clowney. And their pass rush has still not been very impressive, which us Falcons fans know that that's not that surprising <laughs> because Vic Beasley is a walking trash can. Um, but Clowney was, Clowney was great um, for Seattle. So I don't love their pass rush. I don't love their secondary, but at least they tried to make the secondary better. They only gave up a six-round pick, so I think it's a great deal to bring in Desmond King. Um, he's still pretty cheap. I think he's still on his rookie deal. Um, I think it's a move that was necessary, but honestly, I'm a little surprised that's the only move they did.
0: Hey, I agree with you completely, Ben. This defense has been bad for the Titans. They're 27th in pass yards, 24th in rush yards. So, you know, I at least 22nd in YPP, which is pretty bad too. But ultimately, I think this trade will make them a little bit better. I think it'll help some more in the passing. You know, even if you don't have the best pass rush, which is correlates a lot to it. If you have corners, you can fly around and make plays. Which they kind of have a little bit better defensive backfield with that. Now he pairs up with um, Mal with uh, Malcolm Butler. I think they definitely have corners you can make plays and maybe get you one or two picks a game, which can definitely shift a lot Ooh, in a game. I so I mean, they're missing, th- they're, mi- they're missing
1: they're they're missing Adoree Jackson big time.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, he was
1: was he their first round pick or maybe early second round pick a couple of years ago, and he's actually been solid for them. So
0: very good when you're missing.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you're missing one of your best guys, it's you got to replace him, and. Um, they're going to try and do that with Desmond King.
0: Hey, I like the move. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Um, next up on here is um, kind of this one. At first, I was kind of wondering what happened, but I dug a little bit deeper on the salaries and everything, and it made a little bit more sense for me. The Saints send a fifth-round pick in Kiko Alonso to the 49ers for Quan Alexander. I'll talk a little bit about this one first. Um, I actually think it's a pretty good trade for the 49ers. So Fred Warner has proven that he's one of the young emerging stud linebackers here in the NFL. 49ers have a lot of guys they want to pay. They also gave Jimmy Garoppolo that bad contract. They can't afford to keep guys around like Quan Alexander, who are set to make $12 million this, this um the 2021 season and same thing in the 2022 season. Don't get me wrong, Quan Alexander is worth every penny of that contract. It's just as you kind of have to pick and choose. You can't pay two guys really who play the same position You know, with him and Fred Warner. Kiko Alonso is only making $3.5 million, and he is as well a damn good linebacker. I think the trade makes a lot of sense here for San Francisco, and they always seem to know what they're doing with their personnel. I like the trade for San Francisco. I thought it was a smart trade now they have money to go out and pay other guys. I mean, honestly, I think they probably want to go out and spend big money now on a wide receiver in the offseason or acquire one through a trade, you know, in the offseason next year so they can actually get some playmakers because it's been proven that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is more of a distributor rather than a playmaker.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you there. Um, you always got to look at the salary cap for some of these trades. I think the Saints did get more athletic at the linebacker Absolutely. position, at, um, so I I think them getting the athleticism um, will help them a little bit. But I agree with you that this must just be salary cap driven. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think the I mean the 49ers season is is pretty much all but over. Um, I thought there was a chance that division could maybe have all four teams get into the playoffs, but with, with Jimmy G, um, not that he's playing well, but with him being out six weeks minimum, if he requires surgery, he's gonna be out for the year, and then the broken bone in uh, the ankle for for uh, Kittle, who's out eight weeks. I mean, their season's you know it, it's done. They've they've just they've been wrecked by injuries this year. And it's gonna be really interesting moving forward with um, what Lynch and um, Shanahan are gonna do. So, Garoppolo has years left on his contract. I believe it's two. I thought it was only two years left.
0: Uh, but still, I mean, that's a long time to be locked in with someone making that much money. But, but here's the thing: there's no guaranteed
1: money on his contract after this season. So they could they could move on for him from him and pay out. Whatever they need to pay out, it's not going to be a ton. And they could try to get another quarterback if Shanahan doesn't think Garoppolo is going to be the man. They have the luxury of doing that because they don't have guaranteed money locked up for the next two years for Garoppolo. That's going to yeah, be interesting. Wow.
0: wow, see, I didn't even realize that. I'm glad you pointed that out to me. Yeah, he, so if they cut him loose, he hits the cap, his dead cap, for only $2 million and then, then $1.4 million.
1: You know who would give Garoppolo a call right away, though? His former employer, the old
0: Bill Belichick.
1: <laughs> Bill didn't want to trade him,
0: <laughs> so I
1: mean, we'll see. I, it, it's gonna be interesting with Jimmy G. Um, it's gonna be really interesting. We'll see kind of what they do for the future in that one. But This trade deadline, I mean, it. I mean, you can yawn like it, it, nothing happened. That's mm-hmm. sig- I mean, Haskins was on the trading block. That didn't happen. Tack Back. McKinley for the Falcons was on the trading block. That didn't happen. I mean, you you brought it up to me like. I mean, so Desmond King, who's a good corner, went for a sixth round pick. So what are you gonna get from Tack McKinley, who was a first round pick who has seven sacks is his career high in a season. he got 17 and a half sacks in four years from a mm-hmm. first round pick. I mean, I trade I would trade like a Wendy four for four for that, maybe. <laughs> like, you're not gonna you're not gonna get anything.
0: I heard, that, uh, I heard somebody offered him a dollar off a coupon for uh, Burger King for Tackle <laughs> Kinley. That was about the best they could get in return for him. I actually think, though, that the Green Bay Packers were massive losers at the trade deadlines. So I do mean, I. They got smacked by the Buccaneers. I mean, they've clearly were proven that they lost the arms race by not getting Antonio Brown. You don't have Alan Lazard. Yep. I mean, you have so many injuries, too, in that backfield, including... A.J. Dillon is COVID now. Jamal Williams already been ruled out. You don't know if Aaron Jones is going to play. Um, I think the Texans were also, too, were kind of losers because, I mean, the Dolphins have the Texans' first and second-round picks for the draft this upcoming season, and the Texans needed to at least try to get some of those draft picks back from when Bill O'Brien ruined them, and they didn't do any of that by trading Will Fuller. That was the rumor was the Packers and Texans. I think both teams are losers by not making anything happen there.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talk, people freaked out how the – um, Packers didn't draft a receiver for Rodgers, and that they ended up drafting a running back AJ Dillon, who now sits on their third string. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was like, well, let's let's see how the season plays out. And by the time the trade deadline, let's I thought they would make a move. Same. I got I got to be honest with you. I'm stunned. I mean, this team on offense is good enough to compete for a Super Bowl. They are a top three team in the NFC. They are. I I would put. Unless I'm missing somebody, I think it's not in this order, but I think it's Bucks, Packers, and Seahawks. I think of the three best teams. Am I missing somebody?
0: Nope. I like I like what you did right there.
1: Um, this defense has been bad for the Packers. They they have no pass rush, which was a strength for them last season. Their secondary not great. I mean, this I thought I was shocked that they didn't upgrade it at receiver. And they did an upgraded defense. you got to wonder what Aaron Rodgers is thinking. I mean, it's it's a lot of pressure on his shoulders to – I mean, seriously, if he has a game where he just has an okay game, it seems like they're not going to win. They need him to be spectacular elite every single week just to outscore someone. And, I I mean, I, I have some problems with their front office. I really do right now. I just – I don't understand what they kind of see for the future. I, I really don't. I thought they could have used a Brandon Cooks or a Will Fuller. Mm-hmm. You know, to, I mean, listen, your best receiver, Devontae Adams, is a stud. One of the best receivers in the league. Problem Bobby. is for him, he, he gets injured so often. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes down, Alan Lazard's already down. I mean, he goes down, the Packers have zero chance. And yeah. the window with Rodgers is closing. So, I don't know what their thinking is this team right now is not good enough to win the Super Bowl. It's not the weapons aren't good enough for Rogers and the defense is not good enough. So I think it's a failed year for the Packers. I really do.
0: Hey, I agree hundred percent with you there, Ben. I thought they missed out on a good opportunity to get better. Um, not going to lie. We've been talking for a lot, this podcast, so we got to get things moving here as we roll over into our college football. And so we actually had probably, One of the wildest games, honestly, of the college football season, which was Texas versus Oklahoma State, Big 12 showdown. Oklahoma State outgains Texas by nearly 300 yards and ends (laughs) up losing in overtime. I mean, I had Oklahoma State minus 3.5. I was absolutely furious. Um, I mean, Ben, what do you even make out of this? What's going on in the Big 12? Do they even get a team in the Final Four? And if they do, who's coming out of this conference as the champion?
1: No. Quick, short answer, no. I don't think they get a team in. Um, You can already cancel out Oklahoma – I mean, their chances right now are Oklahoma State. Iowa State are probably their best chances. And I don't think they get a team in, to be honest with you. I, I, they're going to beat – they'll just beat each other up every single year, mm-hmm. just like the Big Ten. There's not a team that just sticks out. You know, it's usually Oklahoma. They get blown out in the playoff um, almost every single year. So this was a crazy loss. I mean, you don't see it that often where you outgain someone by this much and still lose the game. There's the roughing the punter call that was weird. This, uh, I I don't think they get a team in, but if you were to ask me who's the best team in the Big 12, I still think it's Oklahoma State.
0: Hey, I agree with you completely on that one, and I actually think Oklahoma State is a little bit of a chance here. Ultimately, I think they're going to have to beat Oklahoma twice, which I personally don't think they're good enough to do after watching the way they kind of pissed this game away on Saturday. Well, wise, the defense wise. is really good. The offense has so many weapons, and they're so dynamic. I mean, they just handed Texas this game, that interception, the muff punt. I mean, there's just so many ways that they screwed this game up. And, I mean, it's just frustrating if you're a Pokes fan. I mean, I really felt like that they were so many times this game, they were going to win the game. I Did you see, by the way, when they put, like, this yellow lines up on the scoreboard to try to get them to miss that field goal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, why would they
1: have to beat Oklahoma twice then?
0: Because um, they could play Oklahoma State in the conference championship game. I mean they can play Oklahoma in the conference championship game. Uh,
1: oh oh Iowa State. Okay. Well, I mean they need i they would need Iowa State or Kansas State to lose another game though.
0: Yeah, Kansas the one State's lot... Kansas State's quarterbacks yeah. out for the season though. I think they're about to trend down and probably lose three or four in a row here.
1: I still think Iowa State can stay afloat in this conference though.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I mean we'll see. I, I don't I think these teams are just gonna beat up on each other.
0: No, I agree with you completely. I mean, I think, it's look, if Oklahoma State wins out and wins the conference title, I think they can get in. Do I think they will, though? No. I say they lose two games. I think Iowa State will lose two games. Iowa State, though, is not going to get in regardless if they lose two games, because I mean, they lost to, like, UL UL Lafayette first game of the season, and that's going to be very much frowned upon by the committee. Ultimately, I think the Big 12 is going to get left out here, which... I mean, makes the showdown, makes the uh, biggest cocktail party in America have even more implications this weekend. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, well, anyway, another conference that will be getting no teams into the college football playoff here is the Pac-12, and they're back this week. So let's go ahead and preview them, Ben. I mean, who's the teams to wa- who are the teams that are going to have a chance to win this conference, in your opinion?
1: Well, I think Oregon is the obvious answer. Um, their defense should be wow. pretty good. Uh, I know, they the lose at Herbert, but I, I do like what Mario Cristobal has been building there. Their defense is going to be, it, it should be good. Kayvon Thibodeau is the number one recruit, is mm-hmm. back for another year. He was a stud his true freshman year. And then Justin Flo, or Flow kid, the linebacker, looks like Sean Oakes playing linebacker. The dude's massive. I'm interested to see what we get out of the USC. See if they can have a little bounce-back year. We know that Clay Helton, their coach, is going to need a bounce-back year or else he's going to be fired. We'll see. This, I mean, this conference, I think Utah is another team that you can kind of uh, look out for. This, You could just put on a blindfold and throw a dart at a dartboard and pick a team. It, it's not going to matter. They're not going to get a playoff team. None of these teams are that good in the grand scheme of things, but uh, I'm interested to hear what you got.
0: Look, Oregon. I think we'll end up having a good season, but I think they fall short. I have a hot take here for you. Yes, they brought in a new offensive coordinator, but honestly, think this team is trash under Mario Cristobal. He has his best offensive lineman opting out, and ever since Chip Kelly, they seem to never get back to kind of you know that Oregon football team. They have five new O linemen. I mean,
1: I, oh, I they just, were good last year. Didn't they play in the Rose Bowl?
0: Yeah, but I mean, dude, Justin Herbert. Watching him play in the NFL and the way he looked in college, it makes me really question how that Oregon's schemes and everything work. Like, to be honest with you, with how good Justin Herbert looks in the NFL, I really think it's a lack of coaching at the NFL level. Because I mean, he looks lost sometimes in these games for Oregon last I year. I
1: hear what you. I hear what you're saying there, but I mean, as a Pac-12 team, it, unless you're in the national championship game or College World Playoff, the the best game you can play in is the Rose Bowl. And they yeah. won the Rose Bowl. So I mean, but th- it's a completely different team last year to this year. They're missing a lot of players, but I still think they're trending in the right direction. I mean, Mario Cristobal is recruiting like crazy for Oregon right now. He's just got to coach those players up, and it, over these next two seasons, we'll see. They're going to be kind of young, but we'll see. But I, I'm, I mean, I, I disagree a little bit with your viewpoint on Cristobal. I think he's earned the right to be in the good coach category. I mean. Coming off a of Rose Bowl, we'll see what he can do this year. This season's kind of as an asterisk anyway, mm-hmm. especially for the Pac-12. So I think these next two years will really determine how good of a coach he can be because he's recruiting well.
0: Really. No, I See, I definitely agree with you. He's bringing the talent and everything. I mean, that defense is going to be nasty. I 100% agree with you on that. I'm just not sold completely on this offense. I mean, this it typically has been a conference all about the offenses. So I feel like that not having that offense the way they need it to will – You know, I I feel like at the end of the day, it's going to result in a loss they shouldn't take. I mean, that's what it always seems like in the Pac-12s. You lose a game you shouldn't. Just looking at the rest of the conference in general, I've seen a lot of people very high on Cal. Cal's defense is going to be nasty. I mean, they're very well coached on that side. They also play their three best teams they play at home. Ultimately, it's Cal. I think they'll lose some games they shouldn't. I think they'll probably end up losing two games there for them. So USC and Oregon are pretty much considered the blue bloods of this conference. Washington was, but obviously their coach... um, Peterson. Yeah, I couldn't think of his first name, Peterson. Yeah, he is no longer there. I think they'll definitely take a step back with that, because in my opinion, he was one of the best coaches in all of college football. I mean, what he did too when he's at Boise State, making them kind of into that powerhouse, I mean, he really was honestly... He's one of the more influential coaches of all of college football because he's the first guy that even got that talk that there should be a mid-major team in a BCS bowl. So, no, I feel like he did a lot of the a lot of things for college football, and I feel like it's going to be tough to replace him. <clears throat> USC, I, w- I want to say this about USC. Look, USC should honestly have no excuse, in my opinion, to win this conference. I mean, I love Keaton Slovis. You have two t- of the most talented wide receivers in the whole conference. Back again, guys who caught 70-plus passes last year. I mean, you're fifth in returning production. You bring in Todd Orlando to coach up the defense. There should be no excuses here. I want to pull the trigger on Arizona State, though, to win the conference. But you know why I can't, Ben? I mean, I feel like when you lose guys like Eno Benjamin and Brandon Ayuk to the NFL, those are tough guys to replace. I mean, Ayuk is a first-round pick, and he looks really good in the NFL. I mean, Benjamin didn't really translate well to the NFL, but still, he was one of the best players in the whole conference last year. They only have 50% of that offense back. Jaden McDaniels is the highest recruited quarterback they ever had at Arizona State. I love Herm Edwards. I mean, they have Marvin Lewis down there. 70% – 6% of the defense back, and it was one of the nastiest defenses last year. I feel like they're the lack of that offense – is going to hurt them. And also, too, I mean, they play... Did you see they play USC at 12 o'clock on Saturday? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, not, that's, that's
0: 9 a.m.
1: Yeah, that's that's a tough one to wake up for. Um, I I think they also have Antonio Pierce, the former Giants linebacker, on their staff. They got a ton of... <laughs> mm-hmm. They have a ton of NFL people. I mean, that's Herm Edwards now. Jaden no, Daniels is, is definitely one of my favorite players to watch in college football. I, I love the dual threat that he brings. Mm-hmm. I just... You know, we'll see. Her members has done very well since he's been in Arizona State. I think it's his third year he's going into. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, We'll see. There's a lot of teams in in this conference that just don't matter at all.
0: No, see, I agree with you completely. And the team kind of that has been up there the last couple years is Utah. I expect them to take a couple steps back. I mean, they lost Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss, who were both all-conference players. Also, too, they had Sack Lake City last year. Well, they lost six All-Americans from that defense last year. So it's going to be tough to replace all that. They are well-coached, though, but at the end of the day, I think they'll take a step back. So, I think breaking down this conference here, it's Oregon and USC is the two best teams. I'm going to take USC, though, to win the conference, but my sleeper here has to be Arizona State. I think Arizona State... I mean if they can get that offense rolling I just think it's tough cuz right out the gate they have to play USC and then I believe they play at Cal the following game like I think they have a very hard schedule let me double check that out the gate so I feel like they did them no favors there but they're the team that Which, can really and you remember are you talking
1: too, about you talking about Arizona State
0: Yeah but you you yeah, remember too Yeah they play
1: like, at USC and then to the Cal
0: Yeah, see, so they have a hard schedule out the gate, but you remember, too, Arizona State's the team that basically knocked Oregon out of the college football playoff last year with that big-time home upset.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think
0: I'm going to pick Oregon to win this.
1: Um, I know that that's picking the favorite, but Mm -hmm. their schedule just seems pretty favorable to me. Um, I mean, they play Stanford off the bat, which is, I mean, I don't know much about Stanford, but it's always tough. Mm -hmm. It's a very well-coached program. Then you get at Washington State. That shouldn't be much without Leach there. Yeah. Then you get USC at home for Oregon. They've continued to suck at Oregon State, and then at Cal. That's the big end. Then they finish with Washington. So I think the last two games are something to watch. If they if they beat Stanford, uh, which they're favored by I think ten right now. So Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll I'll go with the favorite.
0: Hey, I can't fault you all for taking the favorite there. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with USC. I mean, just looking at everything they have back, there's no reason they shouldn't win this conference. But because it's the Pac-12, they'll probably find a way not to. Who you think's gonna win Conference Player of the Year?
1: Oh God. Um, I actually think it could be um the Thibodeau uh, like Thibodeau, Thibodeau. What's I just said his name yeah, earlier? Lebron Thibodeau. Yeah, I actually think it could be him. I think he is a wrecking ball. I think he's the type of player that Clowney basically was at South Carolina. I think you – I mean, obviously you're going to know where he is every single play. And I don't think a double team is going to matter. He's that big. He's that strong. I think he's the kind of guy that can just wreck games. I really do. But – If USC has a good year, it's going to be the quarterback play. It it always is with USC. It's a quarterback-driven school. If not, though, I think Clay Helton loses his job. I mean, he was on the hot seat last year. Yeah. They're giving him another chance. uh, I should know this. What's the name of their QB this coming year? Uh, Keaton Slovis. Slovis, thank you. I knew they had that Jack Sears kid who who left the program. They had so many quarterbacks leave the program, so – I think Slovis is a pretty good pick. Um, I just don't trust Clay Helton. I don't think he's that good of
0: a coach. Hey, see, that's what I'm saying. That's why I feel like they could be in the spot to get upset. Um, I, I'll pro- I might throw that. U- I'm probably going to throw the USC and uh, Arizona State game on our uh, game rundown. So we'll talk a little bit more in depth of why I think there could be a little upset in play on that game. Um, but I think I agree with you. I'm going to go with Slovis to win conference player of the year. If he doesn't win it, though, I think wide receiver um, Amon Ross St. Brown can. I mean, he had over 70 receptions last year over 1,000 yards. I mean, this kid's an absolute freak. Him and uh, Michael Pittman, it was pretty much just like throw it up to him and they go make a big-time play. So, you know, losing Pittman could come back to bite them too. I mean, this guy's this guy's a beast. I mean, he was like the 44th pick in the NFL draft. But, and actually,
1: and- you know who's the guy to look out for? Uh, for USC's, I think he's finally playing this year. The uh, that Brew McCoy kid, who was a five-star athlete at a high school, went to Texas. What transferred to UFC, USC? There was mm-hmm. thoughts that he was maybe going to transfer again, but I think he's stuck at USC. he to be playing receiver for them. I, he's a guy that could also do special teams. That's a that's a name we haven't seen playing college football yet, but it's a big-time talent.
0: Yeah, no, it'll be fun to watch him play in this. Actually, see if he can do anything. You know, I mean. It's just weird how the Pac-12 only plays six games. I mean, they're they're ineligible for the college football playoff and for bowl games, right?
1: I uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but I would hope so.
0: Yeah, I, I know for not, fact. They're ineligible it's not going to
1: matter because one one COVID outbreak and their season's done. I mean, they've no mm-hmm. bye weeks. The Big Ten is getting hurt right now. Good luck, Pac-12. No one really cares about you anyway. <laughs>
0: That's what I'm saying. Hey, but we ca- we cared enough to talk to talk about them a little bit, Ben. Had to let everybody know what's going on here with this conference. Um, Anything else you want to talk about before we get up out of here?
1: No, but we should have a great slate of games in uh, college football and the NFL to talk about on our Friday podcast, so I'm excited for that.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, this is probably the biggest weekend of all of college football. I mean, it was tough not to go ahead and talk about it. I've already been thinking about it. I'm not even a lie. I was already thinking about them on Sunday while I was sitting there, extremely hungover from Halloween. That was all I could think about is these college football games. I mean, how often do you have two top ten teams play each other in the same weekend, back to back hours. So, everyone's... and we have
1: we have uh, Mac action on Wednesday. <laughs> we have like we have like six or seven games. It's unbelievable on a Wednesday.
0: Hey, I already posted one play, Buffalo minus 12, official play, might even post another one, depending on how wild I'm feeling this weekend, or this week on this Wednesday night. So finally, we don't have to go multiple nights without sports. Ben, t- got anything else to say before we get up out of here? I got nothing else.
1: Hey, I got we, nothing
0: else. Hey, should be an entertaining
1: night on TV, though, without sports.
0: Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It should be <laughs> probably the most entertaining night you can possibly have without sports. <laughs> We appreciate everyone who tuned in on our podcast, and we'll talk to all y'all again on Friday.